Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plus, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stand Chum, bearded legend, the daddy-o, the one and only, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is episode number 224. Thanks to everybody who tuned into last week's show, as always, uh, and also a big thanks again to Dean Brill, who joined us at the beginning of that show. This week we've got unfortunately two defeats to review. Some pretty strong views, I think it's fair to say, following Saturday's match or loss really against Colchester United. Uh, we'll do also a quick roundup of news, make sure you've not missed anything over the past seven days. Uh, but as always, we start with a word from our sponsor. Yeah, so AJF Plastering proudly sponsored the Orient Outlook podcast. They're an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work. They specialise in silicone colour render systems. And the best part, and you must know this by now, ladies and gentlemen, is that they offer 15% off for all those fans, staff, players. Uh, basically, just mention Bayon Orient or Orient Outlook, and you'll get yourself a lovely 15% off. So, for more info, you can get hold of Adam and the boys uh, in a variety of ways. You can email them uh, at ajfplastering.com. You can visit their shiny, brand new website at www.ajfplastering.co.uk or you can go and visit the boys on Facebook at AJF Plastering or they're also on Instagram at AJF Plastering and Big Ads LFC is also available on Twitter. So not four ways, five ways now to get in contact with Adam and the boys. Um, we've also been doing a great social media campaign about mm. meeting the team. So myself and Paul uh, expect Adam to be... Uh, proudly on your social media channels in, in the upcoming weeks as your proud sponsors uh, podcast. Yeah, and um, our other sponsor, Design, at Design Cadby, did him a tremendous video as well. So that uh, highlights some of the work that he's done in a nice sort of visual way as well. So moving on then to the week that was, and it was Coulson Monday, the 9th of September, uh, sorry, 9th of November, I beg your pardon, Double celebration because it was my birthday as well, but it was also Joby McEnough's birthday. He's a couple of years behind me, he turned 39. Happy birthday, bearded legend. I hope you had a lovely day. I did, mate. Thank you very much. It was lovely. It was weird because obviously you couldn't go anywhere or really do anything, but um, uh, I was with my wife and my son and it was fantastic. Thank you very much. Lovely. So in the afternoon, the club announced that the away game against Port Vale has been moved forward and will now take place on Saturday, the 28th of November, kicking off at 3pm, moving from the original date of Tuesday, the 1st of December. And that's because both teams have been eliminated from the FA Cup. So that Saturday became free, uh, which is second round FA Cup day. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So now the O's will play Port Vale on Saturday the 28th of November. Very, very sensible there. The Young O's were in action in the first round of the FA Youth Cup and despite racing into a 2 0 lead early on through two goals from Anthony Papadopoulos, we lost the game unfortunately 3-2 after being pulled back to 2 all in 90 minutes and conceding a deadly third goal in extra time. So unlucky to the Young O's. What a game that was. Watching the highlights, it was... A very, very open game. A screamer from Papadopoulos. That's a, that's a hard one to get off the tongue, Papadopoulos. Great second goal. Really great second goal. Um, two own goals from the O's, which is bad to see. A missed penalty from us at 2-1. If that goes in, the game comes 3-1. And we're probably going to 20 comfortably. Um, but really unlucky for the young O's, but a great game. Hopefully they, they learn from that experience uh, and, and you know push forward down the league. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's also great how much more coverage they're getting as well. Like their their games are being filmed, there's highlights, there's uh, someone manning the uh, the Twitter account during games and giving updates. So it's much easier now, much better. So commend the club for that then. So we're going to move on to, to Huey Tuesday, which is the 10th of November. And happy birthday to O's head coach, Ross Embleton. Yeah, happy birthday, Ross. And in the evening, it was time for the main event as we visited Charlton Athletic in the EFL Trophy. So the team lined up with Sam Sargent in goal at the back. Uh, Jordan Thomas, Jamie Turley, Joe Widowson, Jaden Sweeney and Sam Lee. In midfield, James Dayton, Hector Kipriano, Josh Wright with JMD and Dennis up top. On the bench, we had Lawrence Vigaru, Dan Happy, Josh Coulson, Usise, James Brophy, Connor Wilkinson, and Danny Johnson. Yeah, Ross Hembleton rang the changes for this match. A good opportunity to try something different as it didn't hold much meaning uh, in the grand scheme of things as we were already topped uh, the league and uh, were through to the next stage. We saw four players getting some valuable match time, including Sergeant Ling, Thomas and Sweeney. And for me, I'm not really surprised that we're using a starting 11 we've not seen before. Looked like at the time a 5-3-2 or potentially a 4-3-3 with Ling filling a midfield role that we'd seen him do earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, a big opportunity there for some players we haven't mentioned Mm. uh, this season. You know, Thomas, Turley, Wedosun, Sweeney, Ling, you know, Dayton, Dennis getting a start. Um, And I get playing in the weakened side, but then you've got first-teamers on the bench who are obviously fit enough to play. I didn't understand the thinking behind having all those players, those first-teamers, on the bench, surely you wouldn't take them and you'd take a few players from the youth or or other players from the fringe. But, you know, I'm not the manager. That's not what I get paid for. So, a lot of tweets came in, actually, when the team was announced. Lewis, one five three three five four zero five tweeted us. It's a good team minutes for players that are less used. Uh, big chance for Thomas to show what he's capable of doing at fullback. But I would have liked a recognised striker playing. But hopefully, whoever's up top can score a few. Yeah, we then had a tweet from Paul uh, uh, underscore LT2P who said, so five fullbacks and no forwards. Looking forward to the stream. Will Dayton touch the ball tonight? Very, very harsh there. The occasional one. So there's enough deadwood out there to rebuild the Mary Rose. Didn't did wow. make a chuckle with that. Yeah, uh, Graham G1484 said, good to see many squad players getting a start. Shane Royal is injured and also... Uh, that Lee isn't fit yet would have been ideal for Angle to get some minutes. Superb seven aside team on our bench. Yeah, absolutely. Good point there about Lee Angle and Satiru. You know, mm. if if they're available, then Danny Johnson doesn't isn't even in the squad for that one. It takes a well and rest. So the match yeah. kicked off with the O's knowing that if they could win, draw, or not heavily lose the match, and they would top the group and secure a home tie in the next round, which is what it was all about, really coming out with that intact. But in the twelfth minute. Charlton took the lead as Albie Morgan won the ball of Sam Ling, which eventually saw the ball played across the box. It came to Waston, Aochira, who made it 1-0 from close range. I mean, defensively, very poor, all over the place. Ling should have done better in the build-up, but then mm. from there, you could argue that all of our defenders should have done better. Um, and in the, in the highlights, it's just a phone <laughs> ring. Consistently, when they go, whose phone is that? I'm sitting there watching the highlights, thinking someone get that. Someone pick that up, please. But yeah, you're right. There's too many mistakes here that lead to the goal. Sam Ling, obviously, at the very beginning of it. But just generally poor from us. We don't look like we have a sense of urgency to get back. And those that are 
you know, getting a start for the first time in, in quite some time in some cases, weren't really doing themselves any favours. Um, and they capitalised from it because their youngsters or whatever squad Lebo you put out, uh, obviously they're looking to impress and really get a chance to, to break into or stay in the first team uh, thoughts of, uh, of their manager as well. Um, yeah, but when you've got when you've got three centre backs, it's it's pretty um, damning to see a ball just running in pretty much unmarked and tapping it into it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's bad enough with two, but with three, you know, it's really frustrating. But in the first and ninth minute, a great chance for one or but Louis Dennis misused his would be tapping with the goal gaping after some great work from Hector Kipriano. Yeah, I mean, we've obviously fast-forwarded through a lot of this match. We're just covering it very, very briefly um, for this one. But two minutes of stoppage time are played. Half-time whistle went and we go in 1-0 down. Um, yeah. So the O's made no changes for the second half. and almost equalised in the 50th minute as James Dayton cut inside on his left foot. Forced good save out of Maynard Brewer in the Charlton goal. Yeah, 56 minutes on the clock now. We were centimetres away from being 2-0 down as Albie Morgan hit the inside of the post after a through ball from Aaron Henry and two minutes later Jordan Maguire drew nearly equalised with a cheeky near post free kick effort but that one went just wide yeah very open game here you could tell there was going to be more goals in it uh, and in fact there was more goals in the 64th minute it became 2-0 to Charlton as Marcus Madison put a free kick into the danger area missed everybody before Mingy was just lurking at the back post again unmarked heads it past Sergeant no chance 2-0 um, you know a great delivery from Madison poor defending from us only ever going to end, you know, in one way, and that was a goal for them. Um, game yeah, over for me. But it didn't need to be that way because we should have been more alert to it. We should have done better with it. Um, the guys at the back post, literally unchallenged. Like it, it's just not. There's no sense of urgency. There's no awareness. There's no sharpness. It's not right, in my opinion. I know it was might have been a nothing game, but from from a, a higher level view of it. But for some of those individuals in that game, that was a very very important game for them, uh, more important than we probably realised. So, you know, I, I just don't think that's an acceptable goal to give away. But it wasn't two 0 for long because three minutes later we pulled one back. James Dayton passed to Louis Dennis, who swivelled in the box and fired into the bottom corner to give us a lifeline. He made it two one there, and I thought. I thought that was a good goal, actually. Well done to James Dayton for, for creating that. Yeah, I agree. Dayton's done well there. And Dennis finishes it fairly well, actually. Yeah. So, good to see Dennis on the score sheet. Good to see Dayton get an assist. We do both those players the world good for confidence. Um, so, I was happy with that one. But Charlton made it 3-1 shortly after in the 74th minute as Marcus Madison got his first goal in the Charlton shirt as he raced onto a pass, took a couple of touches smashed it in off the underside of the crossbar. Sam Sargent, no chance, game over. But for me, where were the centre-backs? <laughs> they just weren't there. Just the ball just takes out the entire defence. And mm. a player like Madison, who we all know about at lower league level, you knew he was going to finish that well mm. in game over. Yeah, absolutely. We, we lose possession very, very easily in the midfield, in the middle of the pitch. It was turned over because someone didn't complete the pass properly. And uh, it was intercepted, and Madison is just fed through. It's one ball from that, and they've scored. They've picked up a, lo- a sloppy pass, fed the ball through to him, and he's gone on and, and scored. And he is a dangerous player, uh, Marcus Madison. Um, he was at um, Peterborough for a while, so you know he's no mug either. And he uh, he will be looking to. He was one of the Charlton players that would obviously be looking to to fight his way into into Lee Bowyer's first team, but. You know, uh, moving forwards, then 77 minutes on the clock, Usise came on for Hector Kiprianu. 83rd minute, 
uh, Knight summed up as JMD had an effort from a free kick, keeper beaten, but the crossbar wasn't, and the ball went to safety. Unlucky there, decent effort from JMD. Yeah, very. Um, Ross Embleton made a double substitution after the free kick as Louis Dennis and Jaden Sweeney came off with James Brophy and Danny Johnson with the only chance of note being Danny Johnson heading wide in the 89th minute. Yeah, so five minutes stoppage time were played. No further chances to talk about as the O's lost the game 3-1. Due to us beating Wimbledon in an earlier group game, we finished top of the group, ensuring that we have the home fixture in the next round of the EFL Trophy, which I believe takes place mid-next week. I think there's a few outstanding fixtures that get played next Tuesday. And once they're all done, then I think the draw is either next Tuesday night or next Wednesday. So we'll find out who we play uh, at home in the next round. Yeah, Danny Sender was on media duty post-match and his full interview is on the club's YouTube channel. He said, we have a, a brief um, uh, sentence from, from his interview. It says, obviously we're disappointed not to have won, but there are some positives to come out of the game. There are a lot of new faces in the team that we haven't seen this season. So what are your views on, on the Charlton yeah. game? There wasn't much kind of riding on it, but again, still a game in effect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously you want to win every game. That's that's That goes without saying. But obviously, you know, it was a, it was a good opportunity to give a run out to a number of players, get some minutes in their legs. It was a good opportunity to try a new formation in a game that arguably wouldn't wouldn't whether you lost it one nil or three nil wouldn't have really been a you know a punishing aspect to our uh, to our greater good. If anything, it's actually a good opportunity to do that. Um, so yeah, obviously it wasn't meant to be. I'm not overly disappointed about it, but it just feeds into the fact that we're now three games unbeaten, which is. Holistically, how people will probably start looking at this. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, you? I wasn't really concerned about the game, but you still want those squad players to go out and perform and, and yes. get a win. Some of the building pressure um, off the club. But, you know, a third loss on the bounce. And I mentioned it before, I didn't really see the point of bringing Danny Johnson or Brophy on the bench anyway. But, you know, they get game time when I guess the whole scope of the game is to rest them anyway. Like I said, good to see Louis Dennis get a goal. And another really good game for Hector Kipriano who was getting a lot of plaudits um, post this match, and that will do his confidence really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I wrote at the end of this, it's going to be hard to get Hector out of that first 11 for Saturday's league match. So those were our views. We had quite a few views that came into us at Orient Outlook on Twitter um, after the game. We'll mention a few of them. We won't go into too much detail about Charlton because there's much more detailed report coming up on Colchester. But just because we mentioned them does not mean in any way we endorse them. That's very important to remember this evening as we read out most of these tweets. Uh, Billy Carroll, GB, says, Embleton setting us up to lose again. What was he thinking with that lineup? Resting JMD in the FA Cup just to play him tonight is indefensible. Questions have to be after Ross. This is getting ridiculous now. PM31970 said, not many players who haven't been playing demanded a starting position. Hector, man of the match for me, on to Colchester, who hopefully used their goals up. And I think I think he's right there. I think I don't think many of the players that haven't had much game time or haven't been first choice have really given Ross any consideration or any any selection headaches, to be honest. I think Paul's right there. Yeah, absolutely. And when he was talking about Colchester, they absolutely fucked South End in their game. So when he was talking about them yeah. using all their goals up, that was the hope that they would have... 6 one you know, blow, Yeah, something like that. South so or in fan TV... Tweeted us. It seems to be a lot of fans tonight not impressed by the team's performance in a competition that a lot of fans think is a waste of time. <laughs> and main focus is the league, obviously. Best player tonight, though, was Hector again. Can see him nailing down a starting position going forward. 
Dear Stu said, simply awful. For me, only two positives. Hector head and shoulders above anyone else. Louis worked really hard and pleased he got his goal. The squad players should be knocking on the door to get in the first team. But sorry, not good enough, except for the two above. Yeah, the tipping tins. An appalling first 15 minutes. Boss the next hour, but forgot to have a striker on the pitch. In the second half, a toss-up somewhat marred by two pieces of little kickers defending. Release the plodders to fund a decent contract for Kiprianu because he will be in the championship in two years. Terence Coates too said, Not a bad team performance, but let down by a lack of quality from some individuals. Ling showed why Akinola is preferred at right-back. Who is number 23 and what has he done with the real Turley this season? Sweeney was decent and Kiprianu man of the match. Time to dethrone King Oos. Very good tweet there, I like that yeah. one. At gold, 9-3-1. So the disappointing thing is, we played a team of mainly youth players with nothing to play for, and we lost. And that is disappointing. Even if we've qualified, we should try and win a game like this. It's now three defeats on the spin and one win in five. Orient Meat Pie said, Charlton had 37% possession and we had 88% passing accuracy because all our passes were over three yards and sideways. 16 free kicks and absolutely nothing. This squad has absolutely zero depth. A few of them should not still be here. Pandemonium, 1881. Whilst you never want to lose, this was complete dead rubber. Charlton not interested. We'd already qualified. 7pm kickoff on a cold night with only the CEOs and a handful of officials allowed in to watch a pointless competition for almost the first time ever in 42 years. Who gives a... And you can imagine what the last word was. Bleep. Um, Stephen, or- <laughs> Stephen Orient said it seems some players at the club cannot either keep fit and or cannot reach previous levels of performance is it due to odd season we're going through coaching and training or just bad luck if we knew really the answer to that Stephen we'd all be millionaires yeah. as, a, as the one time boss of the club used to say Matty LOFC Evans said Hector is taking his chance as well and for me should be pushing for regular starts in the league I'm not bothered we lost tonight as we had already qualified but the goals we conceded were soft and avoidable plenty to work on a good tweet there I like that one yeah final word on this match goes to at Kevin Cowlin who said disappointing performance overall but what a prospect Hector is best player on the pitch by a country mile JMD showed tonight why he's not a regular in the starting lineup. Very talented boy, but consistency and decision-making let him down so often. On to Cole Yu. So thank you for all the tweets that came in to us after the Charlton game. There's a lot more coming uh, post-Colchester, so if you <coughs> hasn't been read out yet, do not worry, because it's probably coming up later in the podcast. So as always, we ran our prediction league. The design can be prediction league. And we mentioned at the top of the podcast, design can be sponsor the prediction league. They specialise in company branding, advertising, print, Digital and logo design specialist and all O's fans get 15% off. Paul mentioned it at the top of the pod. They've done a fantastic video for AJF Plastering. You can find that at Design Cadby on Twitter, also at Design Cadby on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you're interested after seeing some of James's work this week, you can email him at hello at jamescadby.com. So, well done to Mr. J.G. Essex at George Gertz at Cross 95 who all correctly predicted the results. So, you get three points. I mean, that's quite some going, 3-1. So, uh, props to you lot. Uh, we'll have a full prediction, top of, the, uh, top of the league table roundup at the end of this very show. So, we're going to move on then to Wednesday the 11th, Steve. 
Yeah, so the club announced that season card holders who spent upwards of £230 on their 2021 season card will be able to claim credit towards the next season season card, the 2021-22 season, as the club also confirmed that season card holders can expect to see their season cards dropping through letterboxes over the coming days, along with a letter of thanks from the club and additional awards to show the club's gratitude for your loyal support. So a nice little touch there from yeah. the club. I haven't got mine yet. Have you got yours? No, I haven't had mine through yet either. I'm sure it'll probably be dropping on the mat in the next few days. Yeah, so, I've seen what the gift is. It's very, uh, I like it. I like the gift. Oh, I haven't seen that. Have you seen that? Social media. Right, okay. Uh, nothing to report on Thursday the 12th of November. So we move on to Mooney Friday the 13th of November. Uh, Steve, you attended the first stakeholder meeting, which was held online with attendance from Nigel Travis, Kent Teague, Danny Macklin, Martin Ling, and a number of stakeholder guests. So just, just give us a quick overview, mate, on what, what happened there. Yeah, it was good. It was, um, like you mentioned, it was a stakeholder. So we were there, the other podcasts were there, the fan scenes were there, there were some other fans there, there was a few disabled fans there, Neil Trust, Neil Taylor from the Trust was there, someone from the council was there, Nigel done uh, an introduction after Danny kind of spoke about what topics we were going to talk about, uh, then Kent had a little word, then we spoke, or the kind of board, or the, you know, the overviewers took questions and suggestions about streaming that lasted for about 20 minutes, and then the floor was opened up for a general Q&A um, before there were a few questions about football-related um, um, questions uh, for the last 10 minutes that we thought we weren't going to be allowed to kind of talk about, but they did allow us to talk football. Uh, and Martin Ling gave a very kind of um, worthwhile and definitely worth watching last five minutes of the video. He spoke about kind of his expectations of the squad, uh, where he thinks we should be in the league and potential kind of targets for January which I think is a real kind of eye-opener for some of those fans out there who might not have seen that yet. So definitely worth watching. But, you know, good to see the club doing what they can to get everyone involved. I mean, it was only an hour and there were lots of people on it. Um, so I'm sure the club is taking into, in, into account the kind of that. But a, a, good, a good first starting point um, for getting feedback from fans across all areas of the club. And like we just touched upon, you know, you can watch the entire hour on YouTube or you can read about it on the club's website uh, for what was discussed. So it's out there. You know, if you get a spare hour, watch it. If you only have five minutes, read about it. It'll be, it'll be worth your while. Cool. Thanks for thanks for that roundup and thanks for going um, or, or, or attending that. So we'll move on then to Saturday the 14th of November. The youth team were in action at home to Gillingham in the EFL Youth Alliance League. And after going behind in the 22nd minute, that young boy again, Anthony Papadopoulos, levelled the score with a bit of a worldy shot from about 25-30 yards out uh, in the 53rd minute. And that ball ended up in the top corner uh, when the match finished one all. I mean, it's on the club's highlights reel. You have to go and watch that. Even if you just watch that goal, he has struck that. And that is an absolute worldy of a goal. Absolutely Fantastic. brilliant. Couldn't have hit it any sweeter. You can see what he's trying to do as he's, as he's approaching the ball when he hits it 100%. Yeah, the way he opens his body and the way he just gets round it and just whacks it, absolutely superb. Because he could have really skied that, so uh, well done him. Yeah, topping off a great week for him. Yeah. So that was the morning, and in the afternoon, it was time for the main event as he always travelled away 
to Colchester. United, so before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. We had 269 votes in 24 hours, and you voted as follows, with 18% of you thinking the game would be a draw, 37% thinking the O's would win the game, but 45% thinking Orient would lose. So as always, thank you for all your votes, and that's the first time in a while where Orient loses has come out on top. It's normally... Last couple of weeks have been Orient wins, so this time mm. I was not as confident as what we have been. That's right, absolutely. So at two o'clock, the team was announced with Vigaru, Thomas, Akinola, Coulson, Happy, Brophy, Kiprianu, Cissé, McEnough, Dennis, and Wilkinson. Substitutes were Sergeant Ling, Widdison, Wright, Dayton, JMD, and Johnson. Yeah, so Ross made eight changes uh, from the lineup against Charlton, so no real surprises there. Jordan no. Thomas kept his place in the team. He made his first league start for the O's. Hector Kiprianu also uh, started for the third game running, so retained from the Charlton lineup. I must confess, Paul, when I saw that lineup, I didn't know what to think. At the mm. time, I wrote down Ross, Ross, Ross. That is bold. How can you drop Johnson? I mean, Ross goes on to talk about it, and I'll mention it in post-match, but for me, the wrong call for that one, the wrong formation, and I think by that formation, by that lineup, Ross is now starting to invite more criticism on himself and pressure with this lineup. And at 2 o'clock, I hope, you know, what you're doing is going to pay off, because if it doesn't, you're going you're gonna to feel some pressure after that. Yeah, um... I'm a bit lost as to what the formation is, actually, if we were going to be playing with wing-backs or, or, or what was really going on. I think John, John, for Johnson to be left on the bench, and I know he played a few minutes on Tuesday night, but he must have picked up a knock or he's unwell or something because you wouldn't leave him out otherwise, would you? Um, glad to see Hector starting, though. He's made a really, really great, solid impression. But, yeah, a bit like you, mate, a bit head-scratchy. Um, I, I was just a bit... Speechless is the wrong word. I wasn't speechless, but I was just looking at it going, this looks like not our strongest 11 for what is quite an important game. And it seems like with, with, once you start tinkering with formations, it all starts getting, I don't want to say a bit desperate, but it gets it starts getting a bit Steve Davis-esque, which is what I don't want to see happening here. Um, because Ross has obviously been very, you know, since he's been manager, he's been 4 3 3. We're not playing it. At times, it looks like, if anything, he's going to go to a 4 4 2, which is what most fans have been asking for, which is what I have personally wanted to see because I think the players we have are, are so suited to that system. Um, and now we're playing some kind of 5 3 2 without our best striker. I'm one of the best strikers in the country if you look at his goal record. Um, but obviously, we'll come on to Ross's post match and loads of views about that. And as soon as that team was announced, we had loads of tweets coming into us or on Outlook. We get a lot of tweets anyway, but there was quite a lot, I would say, when this team was announced. Liam, NUFC98, was the first to tweet us pretty much at one second past two o'clock. Who <laughs> just said, you know, surely Danny Johnson should be starting. Yeah, and Jack LOFC kept it short and sweet as well. He said, very, very weird, but I trust Ross. Is Clay injured, though? Yeah, I mean, Clay is injured, but at the time, we, you know, this wasn't communicated. For a club who've done so well with their communications, mm. just tell us Clay is injured. Mm. That's all we need to do. Um, Ian Hutchinson, 08. So looking at the team selection, just hope for the manager's sake, a few of these players step up to the plate. Vince Howard, 73, said, really scratching my head with that selection and not sure if it's one that will get us a win this afternoon. Acquiance is hoping it is injuries that are dictating team selection, and this isn't by choice. Proven time and time again that stable 
consistent team selection and formation is a winning formula. Amy, that's an absolutely spot-on point that I've I've made regularly throughout these podcasts that we've been doing over the years. The regular, settled, consistent lineups always will always do well um, in the end. Joe Pavitt zero zero said a lot of weird ones. Don't like the idea of a back five formation. Don't like the idea of our top scorer not starting against the side two places above us. And I don't like the idea of Thomas starting over Wooderson. There's a lot I don't like here. Yeah, Harlow Orient. And I'm pleased with Kiprianu. I'm gutted there's no Clay. And I'm shocked there's no Johnson. But I'm not shocked there's no JMD. <laughs> Orient Ballbag said, Just hope Ross has got this right. Unless Johnson is carrying a knock, why would you leave your top scorer on the bench? Yeah, but Kit Sampson no replies to this and said, you know, Danny has played virtually every minute this season. Fixture list is so congested that he has to be rested eventually. Brings back memories of the 13-14 season when Slade ran Lisby and Mooney into the ground and our form dropped off a cliff later on. I mean, that, that is a valid point that comes back there. But for me, if that's the case, then just don't bring Danny Johnson on, on Tuesday in a meaningless game and give him seven days rest, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if he's carrying a knock... Don't have him as a sub. If he's mm. not 100% to start, don't put him on your bench. Because yeah. what you're doing now is we're talking about this, discussing it, and criticising Ross. But Danny Johnson might not be well enough to play or fit enough, but we don't know any better. And if we don't know any better, then we are obviously all going to jump to conclusions and start criticising the manager for dropping his top goal scorer in place of Louis Dennis. And no respect to Louis Dennis, but he's no Danny Johnson. <laughs> At LDP King, very eloquently put, Mr Nussbaum. At LDP King got in touch with us and said, I'm not sure how we find any consistency when we keep rotating the team so often. Let's hope this gets us where we want to be come the end of the season. Yes, simply a red 72. So a long season and Johnson needs a game or two rest as he's looked tired. Wingbacks are quick and see saying Hector Baldwin is. Akinola and Happy and Colson are our best free defenders. So it looks good to me. So, you know, loads, loads of tweets, you know, real varied, varied tweets came into us. And it was, it was going to be an interesting one, whatever was going to happen in this match, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. The match kicked off on a horrible day with the O's looking to return to winning ways after three straight defeats. And we had our first chance in the fifth minute as Joby McEnough tried his luck from distance, but Gherkin got down well to make the low save. Yeah, decent save there. But mm. shortly after, in the 11th minute, Colchester went 1-0 up as Brown received the ball from, you know, just a simple over-the-top ball. Nobody in our fence on midfield tracked Brown, who found himself in acres of space, plenty of time. And this guy had scored two hat-tricks in his previous three games, you know, high in confidence, solid pass lots of Figaro, and it was 1-0 to Colchester. Yeah, I mean, you can't switch off ever, ever, least of all in the 11th minute. I mean, you're fresh as you like. Um, Hector I think was the marker he's turned round and seen where the runner is and then looked back at the ball and the guy's then gone left him um, and nobody's picked him up dangerously staggeringly um, so a bit of a, a good goal from their perspective but a really poor one from ours yeah really poor I mean obviously Hector seems to be his man but this guy's a, a forward running through and, and not want a happy uh, Coulson or you know have tracked him either so really poor and he had so much time and space really disappointing and giving ourselves a mountain to climb so it was 1-0 19th minute Vigoru needed to be alert as a dangerous culture to cross came in with players lurking at the far post um, they created some I made a point here they created some good build up play but we didn't do well enough to prevent the cross um, 
it happens a few times throughout the game, unfortunately. And they've been really pressing us quite a bit in this match as well. You know, they're, they're very high energy, uh, very high tempo in a sense that at the minute we've got the ball, they're on us. They don't give us that breathing space or that time to look up for the pass. Um, which I thought was good on their part, but you know maybe we're inviting that that sort of pressure on because there isn't enough movement or the formation isn't working. Yeah, so let's move on. In much better from us in the 28th minute as Joby McEnough drove forward, road one challenge, laid off the ball to Brophy in the 18 yard box. His cutback cross fell to Jordan Thomas, but Jordan's shot was blocked. And then the danger was cleared. Yeah, in the 34th minute, Jordan Thomas found room on the right-hand side and his dangerous cross nearly found Louis Dennis, but Colchester did enough to clear the ball. So no further chances of note in the rest of the half. There was a minute of added time that was played on. The referee brought the half to a close with the O's trailing by a goal to nil. Yeah, and I can see why Colchester are doing quite well in the league. They, they, you know, they've been playing some good football. They press the opposition. They've got boundless energy. And I think our formation and setup doesn't seem to be right today. Um, one of the half-time stats, though, was that we've had 52% possession in this half. Easy for me to say. Uh, 52% of the ball we had. Uh, and we're going in 1-0 down and barely talking about many chances of clear-cut note. Um, yeah, I half. think, you know, or if you probably mentioned stats um, post-Charlton and said, I think we had 67% possession, but, you know, it doesn't matter how much you have of the ball, it just matters how you use it and yes. ultimately how much, how many times you put the ball into the opposition's net. So it doesn't matter whether you've got, you know, 99% possession, if you're not doing anything with it and going backwards or sideways yep. to get possession, it doesn't really matter, really. I'd happily have the lower percentile and win the game. <laughs> You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Million percent. So the second half kicked off. No changes for the O's. About 53rd minute, it was the first change for the O's as Tim Jack and Ola was replaced by Danny Johnson. Yeah, and I think at this point, Matt Hiscock on the, um, on the commentary commented that Kipriano has possibly gone to um, take up that centre-back position to allow Danny Johnson to come in uh, up top, which I thought was a slightly odd thing to do um, just to keep the shape. I thought that perhaps, you know, we might have changed the shape to accommodate that and maybe gone to a four um, and packed out the midfield a little bit more um, just to give ourselves a bit more breathing space. But obviously that wasn't that wasn't what Ross had in mind. But Paul, Hector Kipriani is a centre midfielder, a young centre midfielder, yes. a very inexperienced centre midfielder. So what is he doing at centre-back? Exactly. Yeah, if that is right, if that is what happened, which I, I didn't, I missed that, so I didn't quite notice that. Um, yes, what is what is a, a defensive midfielder doing at centre back? A young, inexperienced one. Yeah, you're right. So three minutes later, a superb cross into the Colchester box, aimed for Louis Dennis, was cleared. Yeah, good opportunity missed there, unfortunately. But 55 minutes on the clock and patient Colchester play saw that man Giovanni Brown again clean through as another pass split the O's defence. But Lawrence Vigoru denied him, fortunately, from close range. They'd obviously, Colchester had done their homework because they kept playing these little passes either over the top of us or in between our defenders. Yes. And they were just getting around the back of us. This one... And I'm sorry to sound like a broken record, and I hate ranting on the podcast. This one annoyed me the most because Brown gets off Happy, and Happy just does not make any effort in the slightest to get back. He's almost walking, is how casual he is. And Vigoury makes a really good save. And you think, come on, Dan, like, 
you know, I don't know whether Dan Happy did have COVID. I don't know if he's still not feeling right. If he did have it, I don't know if he's not fit. I don't know if he's carrying an injury. But Dan Happy was so good at the beginning of the season. And since we've come back, you know, he's just not been anywhere near what he's capable of. And I could probably say the same for some or most of the players at the moment. But Dan Happy, I was really kind of just glaring at the TV thinking, come on, at least try and get back in. Mm. Don't just casually walk it. But again, not for the first time this season, Vigaru making a vital save. Yeah, and clearly Colchester have watched our, our game against Charlton on uh, on Tuesday night to see what we might be doing and, and what they might have be able to exploit from us. But you're right, Happy switched off and made no effort to recover. Um, these lapses cost us 99% of the time, but luckily for us, Lawrence Vigaru made the save and kept us in the game. Um, it's just a bit frustrating at this point. 59 minutes on the clock, so just shy of the hour mark there. Another save as the O's give the ball away in defence. And Giovanni Brown again is played in from a tight angle. He strikes the ball across Lawrence Vigaru, but, unfor- uh, but fortunately, sorry, Lawrence Vigaru punched the ball away. I mean, this one's just that's infuriating because this one we're almost bringing it on ourselves. You know, we lose control of the ball from a basic position and literally one pass and they're in the back of us again and again, another yeah. good save from Vigaru. But you're watching this guy, this is almost like a championship side versus a national league side because mm. they just they keep coming at us and you're thinking they're going to score in a minute mm. absolutely yeah I mean a Hector at fault there for the poor pass but you know we do so little to recover that's the irritating thing we just seem very lethargic very lackadaisical very oh, I'll just leave it to someone else to do there's no urgency to recover Brown is through on goal thankfully again Lawrence Vigaru is alert and in form um, and and you know makes the save to keep us essentially in the game and and uh, you know people often wonder why he's he's our man of the match so often you know and why he's credit credited so much with keeping us in games is because the defence are letting him down the people in front of him are letting him down not just the defence either but the midfield yeah absolutely so at this point still one 0 so let's fast forward into the 68th minute second host change of the game. This time, JMD came on and replaced Hector Kipriani. And I think at this point, we may have gone back to 4-3-3. But in the 72nd minute, Colchester scored a second goal to effectively kill the game off, uh, despite there being nearly 20 minutes of the game left. We failed to clear the ball following a cross from our right-hand side. The ball eventually fell to, again, Giovanni Brown, surprise, surprise, who got his shot away through a crowd of bodies, which snuck in at the near post to make it 2-0. Good finish from Giovanni Brown, obviously a player full of confidence, but defensively, you know, mm. could that cross have been cut out? Could Vigory do better when the ball comes in? When the ball is coming to Brown, could we have done better? Mm. Three kind of pieces of play there where we could have avoided getting mm. the ball to Brown, who then scores and makes it 2-0. Yeah, absolutely. And again, poor defending from us. I think Lawrence Vigory might be a bit frustrated with himself if he might feel that he could have done a bit better. Uh, with that and as I say that's not digging him out because he's kept us in this game Um, but I think he might be a little bit disappointed there Um, we made our third and final change of the afternoon in the 77th minute as Sam Ling came on to replace Jordan Thomas and I thought Jordan Thomas had had a good half he looked dangerous at times didn't really see um, an end product for his efforts he's got the step overs the quick feet um, he looked a little bit dangerous but um, but I did think to myself as well, um, not really sure why we're bringing on a defender at this point. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Thomas hasn't played that much football um, 
so no surprise he gets pulled off obviously knackered but yeah we could have you know maybe put more pressure on but obviously Sam Ling not played much football at all so Sam Ling came on to get a bit of a chance and in the 89th minute he had an impact on the games we pulled a goal back mm. cross from our left came to Sam Ling at the back post he kind of scuffs his shot he comes off Connor Wilkinson beats the keeper uh, and suddenly 2-1 with a glimmer of hope and that goal was actually from what I understand now being credited to Connor Wilkinson oh has it apparently Ah, I thought it might have taken a slight deflection, but I thought it was a good finish. Small consolation, though, considering we're 2-0 down and it's the 89th minute. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, at that point, you know, we couldn't really get anything else or ever, any other chances of a note. I think McEnough had a corner. I think Gherkin kind of maybe might have flapped out, but it was comfortable. So, the time was played, and we fell to our second league defeat on the bounce. Fourth uh, game loss on the bounce. It's Colchester moved into the playoff places. So, I mean, they're only a few points ahead of us. So, if yeah. had we won that, we would we would have been above them, which yep. is really, really frustrating. So, Ross Embleton spoke to Dave Victor after the match. We're going to play a snippet here. We're going to play a snippet at the beginning and a snippet um, from the end. But the whole interview is available on the club's YouTube channel. Here's the first snippet of Ross, what Ross had to say to Dave Victor. Ross, thanks for joining us. You changed the formation, but it was another defeat. Yes, that's right, Dave. Um, felt like um, we we um, we felt like after Tuesday's game, sorry, uh, that we we came upon something that could suit us. Um, and I think at times today there were moments where we looked a real threat. Um, we looked as if we could hurt the opposition um, and get good control on the game. But um, the ultimate moments come down to what happens in. Uh, in our box and there's been too many moments this year where we've given away goals that um, there's so many nice words that, that describe the, the, the goals I think the second one is I haven't watched it back but a little bit scruffy and we don't seem to get it away and, and clear our lines but, but the first one is from our own corner we all run back and it's honest and people are trying and there's no question about that we all run back but we've got seven players in our in and around our final third and the guy runs through one on one to score against the goalie and that's poor defending and Lawrence Figure was the big zero the two goalkeepers in the second half yes we spoke we spoke before the game and at half time about our um, opportunity to cross a little bit more today because we felt we would get I think in the first half, definitely Jordan Thomas got into some real threatening positions. Both got into higher positions and we felt there'd be more opportunity to get balls into the box with players on their good foot, if you like. Um, but we didn't test the goalie enough. And we had a few shots from distance and blocked shots, but yeah, not, not, not enough, really. And I, and I felt that... Uh, we, we got to a point in the game where obviously the second goal then went in and, the, and it was like we can almost like relax now the pressure's off and then we start to look like a bit more of a threat in terms of the way that we get up the pitch again so we need to uh, there needs to be a better focus to the way that we go about uh, like I say our, our defensive areas and then what we do to impose ourselves at the top end It's unusual not seeing the leading marksman uh, Dan Johnson start Yes very much so um, I have uh, said before the game but I had a chat with Dan before the game and I'm conscious of the amount of football he's played uh, in recent times, so we don't. The last thing we want is to lose him for an extended period. The other side of it as well, Davies, um, Louis Dennis performed well on Tuesday night. Um, he, he got a goal. He looked a threat. He made some good runs. He had other chances. So I was I was pleased with him, and I think there has to be that um, opportunity for people to get into the team. And as I said, right at the start of the season, it's impossible to play every game. So that was so that the first part. Yep. Yeah. Go on, Steve. So that was where Ross speaking kind of about the formation, about the game, about the decision to play Louis Dennis over 
Danny Johnson. So we've got to play any of his interview down, so we thought it would be quite useful to do so. So here's about a minute from the end of Ross's interview. Yeah, just teeing that up. Won't be a second. Yeah, so th- there was a couple of bits to this. So we thought, and thanks again to Dave Victor, who very kindly uh, has sent us this and allowed us to use it. So this is uh, the end of Ross's um, post-match with Dave Victor. But no one's really give us a pummeling. No one's really give us an idea. But we sort of hand over opportunities for, for, for teams to, to take the points off of us. So I mean, the thing for, from my perspective, Dave, is it's, it's a downbeat atmosphere and a downbeat feel. It's two league defeats, one disappointing FA Cup exit. And, uh, and, and, a, and an EFL trophy game that we were already through in. So perspective is important. I think um, my message to everybody, to, to the, certainly to the players, when we went through the three wins and a draw the other week, was let's not think we're going to go and win the league now. So we have to maintain a little bit of order and control on the fact that, yes, we're very disappointed. The bread and butter, as I said to the players today, is our league performances. And we've let ourselves down again today, very in a very similar fashion that we have done against Newport and uh, and Forest Green so that has to improve um, we've got uh, a week on the training ground to um, to put that right good luck thank you Ross thank you so that was Ross Embleton there speaking to David now, we did ask the club um, for Ross Embleton to come on this evening our request uh, was turned down uh, as you probably realised and noticed the club kind of rotate their guests between different podcasts we really wanted Ross to come on tonight and talk to us about yesterday's game the formation the decisions that he made in terms of what plays played and what plays didn't. But unfortunately, we couldn't get him on the scene in this podcast. Absolutely. So, the league table as it stands now, that loss saw us drop to 14th in League 2, having now played 12. We've won four, drawn three, lost five. We still have a positive goal difference of plus two, and we are on 15 points. So, my views uh, on yesterday... um, (laughs) Bit, bit sort of um, up and down actually. I thought initially when I wrote this uh, it was sort of pretty soon after the game. I thought we were poor. Uh, it didn't get the formation. Um, I don't understand why we changed from four three three to a three five two. And when the new formation wasn't working and we'd gone you know down two nil down in the game, why we didn't revert back to four three three sooner? For Danny Johnson to be on the bench is you know, got to be injured. We can't really afford to have our top scorer. Uh, on the bench, really, can we? And we bought off Akinola, and I think we've Kiprianu, as we said earlier, to, to centre back to keep the three-five-two shape. I don't understand why we did that. It seems very square peg round hole to me. Um, and as I said earlier, not really sure why we bought a defender on when we're two 0 down. And I know he scored, but uh, Sam, it was a good goal. But obviously, if it's been credited to Connor now, but um, why wouldn't we bring on an attacking? player like James Dayton, for example, and see if we can potentially snatch a draw out of this or, you know, if we're going to lose, you know, fine, but uh, why not try and sort of just just throw things at it and and, and go for it, really? Um, uh, Giving it a bit more thought as well, you know, we used to be a team who conceded goals, you know, during the course of a game, but then we we got going and we snatched draws late on or, or snatched the odd win late on, but now we're making mistakes we're not like not tracking the runners or clearing the ball, and and we're actually now losing the games. We we kind of pivoted in, and not in a positive way. Uh, I thought Jordan Thomas had a good game. I thought Connor Wilkinson looked dangerous at times, uh, and obviously Joby was was his usual industrious self. Although I had noticed from watching the stream that he seemed to engage with the referee quite a lot, whether he was moaning or or voicing concerns or what. He just seemed to be 
uh, on at the referee quite a bit. I've got, there seems to be a lot of questions really, and, and not many answers. But one burning question I have is: is you know, can we just play four four two for a few games, please? You know, see how that goes. Every footballer is trained in a four four two formation from you know from a very early age. Um, Everyone below us in the league either won or drew, except one team. I think Oldham was the only team that lost um, from the teams below us. And six teams above us either lost or drew. So we've really missed the chance to either climb up the league or really you know, solidify and cement ourselves you know, in, in the middle of the table. And having originally written my thoughts down straight after the match, I was really frustrated. I think I've tethered it a bit. Um, and as I write the, you know, as I wrote my updated notes earlier on this morning, with with greater clarity, yeah, we played poorly at times yesterday as we tried out a new formation and tactics, but that I don't think suited us well. You know, we are still only four points off the playoffs. We're miles off relegation. Some of the smaller teams at the top uh, won't be there forever, and the smaller budgeted teams won't be there forever. You know, if they get injuries or if they they experience a COVID outbreak in their squads, then they're really going to see the effects because they're not even able to going to be able to strengthen until January. And some of those clubs might be on the list that I saw uh, a story about today, where some have accepted. Uh, bridging loans from the EFL, which means that they're under a transfer embargo. So if they don't get out of that, then they'll not be able to strengthen in January at all. You know, we are only 12 games in here, guys, as well. Um, so I, I think just to temp, you know, just to calm myself down and just to sort of give it a bit of focus. You know, uh, like what Ross said in his post-match, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We're only 12 games in. It's really not the end of the season kind of stuff yet. So, got to keep things in perspective. For me, I mean, it was another disappointing result. It's another disappointing performance. It's four losses on the bounce now, and yeah, two of those are the cup games, but a loss is still a loss, and it will definitely be starting to to play on those players' mind. I mean, I know we spoke about it, but I don't get not starting Danny Johnson. I know we played it in Ross's interview, but I still don't. For me, that still doesn't make any sense to me. If if Danny isn't fit enough for the bench, then, then surely, surely you start him. But, you know, Ross sees the team every day, he sees them training. I don't. He knows more about football than me. He knows more about formations. But for me, Ross, you just got to keep it simple, mate. You're just inviting yourself so much pressure from the fan base and and with your team selections. They're not making much sense um, to us. And the formations, like I said, it feels a little bit desperate. The last one, manager who, who tried this unsuccessfully was Steve Davis, and we all know what happened to him. Uh, and what I will say is I, whenever we don't, criticise Ross or we or we don't tear into him enough there's always accusations about this podcast naming Ross Embleton as the third outlooker what I'll say about that is that Ross Embleton's been the third outlooker for about the last three three years two and a half years he was the third outlooker long before he was head coach and he'll be the third outlooker when he's no longer at the club whether that is next month next year or in ten years time so you know you haven't got to worry about the integrity of the podcast we've always been very open uh, and honest in what we've discussed. We've always been critical of the club, the players and the manager when we've had to be. I make that point because after Grimsby, I think we took a bit of a battering because we weren't critical of Ross. But I don't think Ross done anything wrong with Grimsby. I think he played the right formation. He was just let down by a, a mad um, decision from Craig Clay to go and mate on the player. And therefore, we lost the game 3-2. After this game, I do have to criticise Ross because I don't think he got the formation correct. I think he got the lineup wrong and we've lost the game. And as a football manager, the buck for that, for me, stops with Ross. So I have to criticise him after this game. Um, but, you know, we've, we've, I said, you know, about having 
miscommunication from the club. If Clay is injured, tell us what the matter with Clay is so we know. Was Turley injured yesterday? I don't know. Was Danny Johnson injured yesterday? It doesn't appear to have been, but he may well have been because we're all jumping to these conclusions that we could be wrong. Cissé, for me, another poor game from Cissé. Where is that Cissé we had last season? That's that one what I said last week. I said that last week, yeah. Winning challenges, driving us forward, giving us confidence. That player, don't know where he's gone, but he's, it's not Cissé who's currently on the pitch at the moment. No. So... To, to round it off, for me, a game to forget. You know, I feel Ross now needs a, a result on Saturday. I think Saturday's now become a very high-pressure game against another club who, as Orient fans, we would expect to beat. And that's going to be a tough game. There are no pushovers, and we'll, and we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But if we're not happy as a fan base, I'd be amazed if Nigel Kent and Martin are sitting there happy because they won't be. You know, Nigel's a fan. Kent is an investor who's turned into a massive Orient fan. And Martin... You know, they'll all be hurting, as will Ross, as will Joby, as will Danny Sender, as will Dean Brill, as will Matt Harold. Um, and I don't think the balls will panic yet. I really don't. But I do think, you know, if we don't start seeing a few more wins and a few more kind of better performances and lineups where your left back is playing at left back, your left winger is a left winger, your centre back's at centre back, not all these muddled situations that I think the pressure will start to get more and more on Ross Embleton and you'll see more and more fans start turning which is what we absolutely do not want to happen mm, but will do if, if things do not change mm. Very interesting Mr Nussbaum very interesting and we got possibly the most amount of views we've ever had back uh, post-match and that does take some beating but just because we're about to read these out it does not mean we agree or condone them they are the views of uh, fans and listeners uh, of this podcast, so we'll start with Rekka Blue Out, and there's quite a few uh, of these uh, this week. Um, our defence, Rekka Blue Out says, was shambolic at times with the amount of space we gave Colchester. Never really got going at any point. Don't understand selecting Wilkinson and Dennis up front as neither are final target men. Need to be much better next week for me. Yeah, John W. Nine 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 says I can't defend Ross today. Bizarre team selection, anemic attacking performance, and very poor goals conceded. Radical improvement needed after four defeats. So Ross is going to find himself under pressure. Boats, he said. Unfortunately, uh, Ross got the formation shape and starting eleven wrong today, and just gave ourselves a mountain to climb right from the start. We struggled to create a single chance, and we never looked like getting a result. Thank goodness Ross has a clear week. Steve Forecast tweeted it. He said, nowhere near as bad as the naysayers will say, but that was a major tactical error from Ross. He seems to think that it is the manager's job to change things when consistency is needed. Uh, Alf Wooten, 96, very upset. Uh, he said, another poor result. Defence is absolutely woeful. Coulson a footballer. Cissé can't run. And why leave your top scorer on the bench? He finishes off by saying, Ross, your time is up. Leave the club tonight. Surprised at that from Alf. Alf is normally very kind yeah. of upbeat, very happy in his tweets. So he yeah. definitely wasn't happy with that. As was Sunshine LOFC, who was not a happy man, who said, Ross has to take all the responsibility today and blame nobody but himself. Largely flat going forwards and the unnecessary changes at the back led to a confused back line. Performance was poor and the buck stops with Ross. Orient Dave said unnecessary and quite frankly uncalled for changes for this match. Ross himself said before the match a lot of ideas went into the changes. Sometimes I think we're guilty of overthinking it. Great tweet there. Mm. Dave Toms, I miss you in the South Stand. <laughs> I just want to see your face again. Paul Skinner, ATA, said the problem I have with Ross 
is that no one can predict the lineup or the formation. Either he doesn't know his best lineup, or he thinks each game needs a different one. The players do not have a clue what they're supposed to be doing, and it shows. Les LK52 said, absolutely dreadful. Formation bingo. Players looking lost. Selection an absolute joke. Could have been five. Ross Embleton leaving his top scorer on the bench. Does he know what he's doing? If we sign one player in the window, please make it a strong target, man. There is no plan B. Otherwise, hashtag fuming. Level K's gone a bit Jimmy Smith there, anyway. I was just thinking of the player's name who did that. Yeah, yeah. Veggie Jones in Colchester have only dropped two points at home in the league. So today was always going to be a lot harder than some seem to think it would be. The pressure is building. Peel the Doze man said, shocking. Ross Embleton seems to have no idea. Brophy playing most of the second 45 in his own half was criminal. Bearing in mind, we need one more goal for a result. We needed one more goal for a result. Dennis tried hard but was poor today and yet stayed on. Too much passing sideways and backwards and few good attempts on goal. Yeah, I have to, I have to say that uh, Dean Gherkin wasn't really worked that much. Not like Lawrence Figaro was and that's always a telling sign. Yeah, absolutely. Good point there. Richie J. Bourne said the wrong formation, wrong subs. Ross just got this one all wrong. The first goal was so easy. And why Dennis was kept on, I really don't know. Losing is a bad habit. And one we need to get out of. Orient underscore Red said, Just when I thought Ross had learned from his mistakes, today has proved me wrong. I understand the changes for the FA Cup and the trophy in midweek, but today was a, uh, was such an extreme change. Why? I love Ross, but doing what he did today really shows he's not a manager. It's a good point there. We seem to be turning the tide. You know, we had a good performance against Exeter, a superb performance against Bolton. Uh, we narrowly lost the Forest Green Rovers in a game where we both agreed that could have gone really either way you know mm. that, that was such an, an, an unlucky game to lose we lost at home to Newport by goal who were top of the league and all of a sudden we've gone from playing a 4-3-3 that I was never that much of a fan of but I kind of accepted because the players looked okay with that system and yeah. it seems to be working right to mm. now play with five at the back and I just do not get it I just do not get it David Sears 3 so bottom line is that having all the possession does not win new games Awful defending. We're all still hoping and waiting for Dennis to come good, but he offers nothing. Team selection and formation suggest Ross is out of his depth and getting desperate. Rayleigh Dave said, Consistency and clarity of decision-making is crucial at this level. We have neither. Ross Embleton's constant tinkering with players and formations is making things worse. Football is a simple game. Stop overcomplicating things and trying to be clever. And I guess that's a, a second point alluding to the fact of overthinking. Absolutely, yeah. And there's, I think there was a few tweets were kind of of a similar, a similar ilk. Stroud Green O's, one of the most uninspiring, insipid performances you'll ever see. I've gone past the point of even being annoyed about it, as that display inspired nothing in me aside from a similar level of apathy they showed on the pitch. Some yeah. big words in that one. Are you struggling? Great words in that. Are you struggling? Essex Silver Fox <laughs> said, "Eat my words." Last month after um, eat my words uh, last month after several good games, but now they are back uh, playing to type, running around like headless chickens. That sorry, they're playing to type, running around like headless chickens. Why, in the name of all that's holy, would you not play your best striker? Poor performance and poor management. Dan Alton two five nine zero was not happy no. at all. He said, "I'm the angriest I've been all season." And it's all Ross's fault. I've been trying desperately to back this guy, but now he has to be on thin ice. Changed everything when we were three wins out of five in the league. Wrong team, wrong shape, pathetic subs. 
four straight losses. Dan Orton was last seen with his clothes ripped off, turning into a giant green man with purple trousers, <laughs> running down late in high street. Not the ultimate warrior. Okay. Orient Electric said, <laughs> struggling to find a positive from that. Ross said we were going to be solid, expansive and aggressive. We weren't any of them. Yeah, good point. LFC Teresa said, I always try to be positive, but... Defensively, we were poor. The scoreline would have been worse if not for Lawrence Vigaru. And we didn't look like scoring at all. I was surprised we even got one goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shiva, underscore Shivan Pathak said, this team was set up to lose from the start. Johnson starting as a as a bench set the omen straight away. We're not going to get anywhere if Ross can't pick and set up pick a setup and stick with it. Chopping and changing is no good. Think Harrogate will definitely fancy their chances now. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do understand why you need to make some changes. It's a very weird season, but just the changes that are being made just don't seem to make sense, Correct. I would say, um, from a fan point of view. I, I don't expect them to see the same level every week because I think under Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, that's always going to be so difficult. Too punishing, but it, yeah. It's, it's just the changes that, that are actually happening from a fan's perspective anyway. It's just puzzling at the moment. Well, you'd expect... You'd expect um, you'd expect players to sort of literally be sort of cookie cutters. So one striker comes out, another one comes in. One central midfielder comes out, another one comes in. A right back comes out, another one goes in. You kind of put the circle pegs in the same circle holes. You're not trying to yeah. then change everything to accommodate everyone. Either they fit into your your preferred four three three formation, or you start with a three five two and stay with a three five two, and that's your formation. And you get players in that will be able to play that loan players, obviously in our case, because we had so many players on 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 contract for this season. You know what I mean? It, it's not like, oh, we haven't got that one, so we're just going to change the whole lot. Yeah, very odd. Very odd, my friend. Darren M. Stewart. So pressure is building now. Four losses in a row. Constant team sheet changes suggest there's no clear plan. Feels like the squad is far better than the performances. Time to consider changes. Um, Kevlar P18 said, where to start? Ross said we were going to be strong. Didn't look like that at all. All over the place. Constant team changes. Maybe Ross doesn't know the direction he wants to take the team. I hate to say it, but the pressure is building. Yeah, Kevin Carroll said, we were flat from start to finish. I think at this level, you should keep the formation simple. Don't understand what Louis Dennis was doing. He looks so lightweight and seems disinterested. Wasted every ball. Need to win next Saturday against Harrogate and play 4-4-2 in my opinion and we miss Clay today Rich P242 said dreadful, dreadful performance but all down to horrendous tactics before the game from the manager how can so many people see that wasn't going to work and yet Ross or his numerous coaching staff couldn't good point there very good point Ed Jones 1976 said I'm a big fan of Ross as a coach and a man but not sure he's at manager material the three or four games we kept the same side we got the results so why change I think we all knew when we saw the team sheet today what was going to happen. So why didn't the coaches? I'm always positive, but I'm not sure at the moment. I think a lot of people feel the same with that. Mm. Yeah. You know, we always try and be positive and constructive, but at yeah. the same time, when you're looking at some of these team sheets or some players were on the bench and some were starting, you're looking at it going, oh, I'm not sure about that one. It's, that's a difficult choice to make that one. Yeah, I agree. Um, Joffanon said, slow, bordering on ponderous going forward. Brophy spending more time in defence than attack. Central defence is too slow and susceptible to being split by simple through ball, which obviously happened twice, or more than twice yesterday. Bolton match feels a long time ago. That's what we need to replicate next Saturday. Orient Meat Pie said, wrong formation, wrong personnel, weird substitutions. Could have been more if not for Vigoru. Cole... 
Chester never got out of second gear and didn't need to. Enough is enough. We cannot have a manager living off one result in F36. Bog Stollocks once said, very poor game, lost in formation and selection. No clay is a big miss. However, we were outfought and outthought. We could never get behind them and our defence was slack too many times. Could have been three or four if it wasn't for Viggs. Final score flattered us. We'll go 300 to try something different, but it didn't work, and I do not wish to see it again. <laughs> I like that. Very stern. I also don't wish to see Cease say again. Hector is head and shoulders above him. Quicker feet, quicker thinking, quicker passing, quicker going forward, quicker getting back, and better in the tackle. Orient Boy said, honestly, I was impressed by signing Dennis and Cissé when we did, as I understood them to both have good qualities, but both have gone backwards since we started coaching them, in inverted commas. Bolton may turn out to be the high point of our season come May. Good point, unfortunately. Tom, LOFC20, said, the only question is how long the board are going to put up with this. Most of the fan base know that Ross, large chunks of this squad, will not take us towards the playoffs. Or League One. Some difficult decisions need to be made if we want to be successful either next season or beyond. Chris W underscore one said, stick to a strong formation where players feel comfortable. Mixing players around every week ain't going to help anyone. Not hating on Ross, but these squad rotations should have been done during pre-season or a couple of games in at most. One set team plus 4-4-2 equals happy supporters. Yeah, Dave M, one eight one two. disappointing. Started with the wrong tactics. Every change caused more confusion. If Ross can't find the right role for Dennis, then drop him. We really need the next week off so Ross can work with the players. DJ is missing Angle beside him and he's too isolated. Terence Coates too said that was poor. Disappointed it took 68 minutes to change the formation as by then the players already looked defeated. No one had a clue where they uh, or each other had to be for possibly the worst performance of the season. Very lucky to only lose 2-1 as we deserved a thrashing. I think that's a fair point is the fact that, like Ross said, no one's tonked us. No one's done us a 4-0 or a 3-0 and really comprehensively turned us over. It's always by the odd goal here and there. I cannot believe we're just four points from the playoffs. When you think about the four points that we've wasted, home yes. to Grimsby, uh, you know, Yesterday. home to Grimsby, away Forest Green Rovers... Yesterday. There's loads I'm probably forgetting. Do you know what I mean? Home to Mansfield, home to Cheltenham. You and Carter, 22. It's not good enough defending. It's been a problem since last year. As much as I tried sticking by Ross, I'm finding it hard to defend him anymore. Just no tactics on the game. He's out of his depth. Doesn't know his best team or formation to go out and win a game of football. Daniel underscore D44 said another poor performance. I have nothing against the 5 3 2, but what most irks me is that this is yet another game where the opposition are so much quicker to close us down and we've been out-competed. It looked like some of our players were wearing lead boots, which is a good point. On Do you know what? That's a great point because, you know, we're, we're sitting here going, oh, it's tough for the players. They play on Saturday and then they play on but Tuesday. Everyone and then they play on is. Saturday, and then they play on... But so does every other league exactly. season. <laughs> Do you I know said what that? I mean? we, haven't, we haven't played more football. Arguably, we might have played one more League Cup game because of the progress we've made. But... All these other teams are having these similar congestion, right? So it's not just Leighton Orient who are playing Saturday, Tuesday and having to manage or rotate their squad. Nope, and I said that last week as well in my post-match thoughts. So we're not <laughs> playing... Well, it's, it's the same theme, isn't it? It's the reoccurring yeah. theme. We're no worse than anyone else. The only difference is, is we had a COVID outbreak where we were shut down for two weeks and then yeah. forced to play against a decent side like Cheltenham or we were there to forfeit the points. Yeah, yeah good point. Daniel underscore D four four. Just done that. Just done that. Yeah. Odin Walshy 
So I don't know what people expect. Due to how the world is at the moment, we've been unable to recruit as normal. This season was always going to be similar to the last. We're no better overall than last season. Just maintaining is all we can hope for this season. So, you know, Mike Walsh there being very kind of backing there. You know, it's a, it's a tweet unlike most of the rest. So fair play to you there, Mike. Uh, Paul de Caliban said a losing mentality is tough to get out of. Tough games coming up. Supporters, me included, are losing patience with poor selections and player changes. Should stick with the same personnel and formation. Seems there are too many cliques in the playing staff. Yeah, there was a tweet about cliques straight off that one from Kareem Sally, who said, Until the C in LOFC goes back to standing for club and not clique, can't see much light at the end of the tunnel. We have talent in the squad, but crying out for an experienced manager with a structure and belief in how he wants his team to play and sticking to it. Molly Folly, 2019, said, Listen to the painful post-match interview. If you ever needed to see and hear someone totally out of their depth in a job, a rabbit caught in the headlights, then that was it. He's completely deluded about what we all witnessed today and is clueless how to change things. At Wheeler, Dennis is sorry. Ross is trying to excuse the inexcusable the last few games. They've been woeful. We can't keep tinkering with the back four, or in today's case, the back three. Good teams build from the back with a settled defence. They get that right and results will follow. Yes, Willow Gaffer said in his interview, Ross said Danny Johnson had played a lot of football. That's his job and he's doing that well, scoring goals. So he wouldn't have wanted a rest. The more I think about it, the more I think Ross is trying to keep everyone happy by playing them all. As a manager, you have to be ruthless. Yeah, good point there in terms of Danny Johnson. At Luke underscore T7 said, All I keep reading is get rid of Ross. We're only 12 games in, four points off the playoffs. We're only 34 games to go. Yes, that's right. 34 games. Not rock bottom with no potential like Southend. Southend actually won yesterday. They did, first game. So many fans forget where this club was a few years ago. At E3 Orient said, Embleton's record since full-time appointment, 1-12, drawn 7, lost 10. Add interim into that, you've got 1-19, drawn 15, lost 21. In that time, we've lost Justin Edinburgh, employed Fletcher, had players on contracts who aren't consistent enough, shut down and lost revenue through COVID, to name a few hindrances. Great sweet to Good be fair. Yeah. Great sweet. See Gibson underscore eighty nine said I absolutely love Ross more than anyone. But that lineup, formation, subs, total disaster. Couldn't understand any of it. I'd give him more time, but things need to improve and quick. So that would have been the final word. However, we had a voice message come in from uh, at MS Orion and we thought we would have that as the final word because this you know, more you can say in a voice message. And we did ask for some more um, today. Didn't get any in. But if anyone is interested in sending us a voice message, just give us a DM and we'll let you know how to do that. So this week's final word goes to at MSORI. And here's what he said to us. I just want to say one thing that Ross Embleton has got himself to blame for this whole situation. Crying out for a 4-4-2. You get a 4-0 win versus Bolton. You play them off the park, you play some lovely football, you play your players in the right positions and you get a very, very, very good result against a, a Bolton side that was struggling, but, you know, they'll be up there towards the end of the season. Um, the last few games, it was basically back to square one, playing your players out of position, Um Yesterday was a carbon copy. Your top goal scorer is on the bench. 
Connor Wilkinson is playing out wide. Okay, he likes that position, but I see him as a striker playing up top. You can also look at the back three situation. It should never have been. You've got the players there. You put your right back at right back. All right, start with Sam Ling, Josh Coulson, Hap, and Widowson. Just keep it a flat back four. And also with your midfielders as well and your two wingers and your two strikers up top. There's no need to make this complicated. He has brought this all on himself. I don't want to see him foul. He's a nice guy, but nice guys don't win trophies. They don't win promotions. Uh, You need a father figure like Justin to take this group forward. That's the way that I see it. Anyway, up the O's. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. Yeah, I like people getting in contact with us that way. It's another kind of communication um, opportunity, I think, as a podcast. So if anyone wants to send us a voice message, please do so. Send us a DM and we'll let you know how to do that. So thank you so much for sending that over. Absolutely. So do you agree or disagree with any of the tweets we've read out? Let us know what you think by tweeting us at Orient Outlook. You can email us, Orient Outlook at outlook.com as well yeah I mean I, just to go back sorry Paul that's a lot of tweets we've read out tonight but I think we're very lucky as a podcast and as a social media account we are by far and away the most engaged I think we've already supported so yeah. I think for us it's really important to read out as many as what we can and to try and make it as balanced as we can to you know get the views of what the majority and, and what Orient fans are thinking at the moment so hopefully you've enjoyed um that those views you know thank you for everyone who has sent them and continues to send them into us absolutely so moving on then um, as we are now at an hour 13 uh, oh, well. the, the Design Cadby Prediction League updates there's quite a few of you that got this correct uh, you will get three points Elvis Memphis Spenno 011 O's Fan Basing Wadsey David Landau 17 Rekka Bluat Craig Delu, uh, Ben Whitlock 13 Danny Boy underscore 247 Brad One Malloy B cross 95 and strop underscore O. So well done to you all. And that means the top of the design Cadby Prediction League is as follows. Yeah, there's three of you at the top. So on 16 points, we have B cross 95, Dan Norton 2590, and George Girk. So B cross 95, two correct predictions in a week, getting himself to join top of the league. On 14 points, O's fan basing and the tipping team. And in 13 points, we have Wadsey. So thank you for all your predictions. It's starting to get very... Uh, congested now uh, around the upper league areas so thank you for sending them in and please continue to do so absolutely so that concludes our game yesterday uh, against Colchester and all the upshot of people's views so we're going to move on to today which is Sunday the 15th of November just before we started recording tonight the club announced that YouTube sensations the Sidemen have become official club partners with the O's Um, Heard of them? No, nor have I. Um, most, some of the younger I, listeners uh, of this podcast yeah. will, but for some of us, old, old, what's that? Me and you too old. Me yeah, and you old. yeah. Uh, for, for, so for those who are not informed about the side men, um, it sounds like the Facebook, doesn't it? When someone says the Facebook, have you been on the Facebook? It's it sounds really old, but these guys are, are, are absolutely in their own world absolutely amazing their videos have been seen their youtube videos have been viewed by over 1.1 billion people 
1.1 billion people. That is absolutely mind-blowing. Between them, they've got over 100 million subscribers and 26 billion views combined. Now, I think there's only 8 billion people on the world, so some people are quite addicted to these guys. Um, one of the Sidemen's biggest ventures is with their clothing brand, Sidemen Clothing, uh, and they're delighted to be, uh, and the club are delighted to confirm that during the pre-match shows on the streaming service, which you can get for every home and away game, um, they're going to be showing off uh, some of their latest uh, garments. Steve, your yeah, ears? a great opportunity for the club. I'm obviously not the Sidemen's target audience, being you know uh, an aging forty-year-old, but. I see the potential that this brings. I imagine there's huge opportunities commercially uh, for the club, not just in the UK but worldwide. If you know, they've had over 1.1 billion hits on it. So, fair play to them, great exposure, and I guess you know the club will crack on with it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same as you. I, I've heard of one of them, KSI. His name is. He's got um, yeah, he's got a single out at the moment with Craig David. That's in the charts. It's actually all right um, if you like that sort of thing. But he's also on. In he had a, a brief foray into the boxing world. He had a punch up with another uh, YouTuber who it doesn't even really matter who it is because no one would have ever heard of him um, outside of that world. But yeah, so I've heard of him. He seems to be um, pretty good. He's he's also on Gogglebox uh, when they do um, the celebrity Gogglebox KSI. Oh, is he really? I, I know of KSI. I used, to, I used to watch his videos when he first started. So he started vlogging as a FIFA That's vlogger, right. like playing FIFA. Yes. And he was very funny. But since then, you know, he's gone on to, like you said, fight people, fight other YouTube people, have singles, and he's completely become massive so fair play one to keep an eye on for all those fans and I guess if you're an old teenager or a younger demographic there's a real exciting opportunity there because there'll be lots of activity around that one I would have thought so Mr Levy I don't know what we're on but you one now 13 a couple of minutes ago so I must be pushing an hour 20 so time to wrap up this bad boy podcast so fantasy football update Dave Hayton and Bill Ricky Dicky tired at the top of the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy football league they're on 528 points ahead of Jamie Wellham in second place on 521 points me I'm in 46th place out of 297 players so not doing too bad and an update will follow next week with all the progress of the fantasy football league table absolutely so positives and negatives this week I did the positives Last week, Steve, so you, you do uh, yeah. No problem. So two positives this week. First of all, you know, it feels like a long time ago now. We mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but we topped our group in the EFL Trophy, which gives us a home tie in the next round. So we're all very happy about that. And the second positive is the stakeholders event. You know, we, I think we're, such, we're so lucky as a club to have Nigel and Kent and the communication that they give us as fans. They don't have to do what they do but they do. So massive positive there for them to do that stakeholders event. So two positives in a week where, you know, it was quite a disappointing week really. So I'll let you do the negatives there. Yeah, but we, we obviously, there's a lot more negatives this week. Four losses on the bounce as it stands right now. There's obviously growing pressure on Ross because obviously, although two of them, you know, two of them were league defeats, um, you know, we don't want to get into that losing way. Uh, it's a habit that's quite hard to get out of as well. And obviously, uh, not obviously, but we are out of the FA Youth Cup uh, as well. So despite their great efforts, we are uh, we are out of the FA Youth Cup, which brings us on nicely now. Yeah. So we forgot to mention Hero of the Week. So apologies for last week. So apologies to Hector Kiprianu, who took our Hero of the Week last week. Um, 
we got so excited, we just literally went from positives <laughs> and negatives into next week's fixtures. But do not fear, as we have a hero of the week this week. You might be thinking, well, who can it be? You know, two losses. Uh, but there's one young man who absolutely stood out for it. It's the first time he wins his award. It's maybe slightly left field. But Paul, I'll let you announce this. So, right out of the podcast, hero of the week is... Well done to Anthony Papadopoulos in the youth yes, team. Mate. Scored two worldy goals. And, uh, yeah, and I think he did a, an interview uh, on uh, the, uh, the academy site or for the club uh, as well. It comes across very well. So I do believe that is the first time in our podcast history of giving it to a youth player. But like yes. I said, no doubt for both of us this week who it should have been. So well done to young Anthony. So next yes. week, lovely to say it, there's only one game for us to talk about, which means... A, a shorter podcast, B, a week of rest for Ross, <laughs> and C, less stress for all of us. So next week, one game, we welcome Harrogate Town to Brisbane Road. Harrogate, new to the Football League. They're not doing too badly, actually. They're 12th mm. in League 2, one point ahead of us. They drew one away to Crawley uh, yesterday. They've drawn two, lost three of the last five games. We, in a, they've got Jack Muldoon who I think is an absolutely phenomenal player uh, at this level he's carried up where he left off got to be very difficult um, to mark him and make sure he doesn't get too influential in that game so one game a big game I think for Ross hopefully you know at 2pm next Saturday we're all looking at that line lap on formation going yes Ross nailed it let's go yeah, absolutely. Just to be clear, they were at home yesterday to Crawley and they drew one all. And in their last five games, they've drawn two and lost three. So they're not exactly on uh, a great run of form uh, either, particularly. So moving on then, sponsorship reminder. Don't forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. That is it for this week. Yeah, it absolutely is. So thank you for joining us for episode 200. And 24 off the pitch, the club continues to communicate and engage with fans and stakeholders superbly, which can only be commended. But on the pitch, we've now lost four games on the bounce. The EFL trophy match, which arguably wasn't really important, and the FA Cup first round match against the league leaders, plus the two league games. So Ross has made changes to the team setup, tried a new formation, and will be judged on the outcome of the results. So we've just one game coming up this week. Like we just said, it will give Ross, the players, time to work on things and ensure we give a good account of ourselves. And hopefully next week, we'll be talking about a return to winning ways. Yeah, so if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review. I don't think we've had one in a little while. We if haven't, no. Disappointing. Yeah, if you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitch or any of the other of your favourite podcast uh, apps, then uh, favourite them so that way you'll get them as soon as we upload them. We're also on smart speakers, so listening to the podcast has got even easier. If you have an older relative, a loved one, a friend, an Orient chum, someone who you think would like to be kept up to date with what's going on at Leighton Orient, pass the pod across to them, help them and introduce them. It would be great to have some new uh, fresh ears listening to uh, what's going on at the club. We're going to be back with episode 225 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. We look forward to hearing from you and as always, keep calm, have a great week, stay safe everyone, listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.
keep the 